Today on the Locked On Blues podcast, you are about to watch part one of the crossover episode with Locked On Wild. I recorded for over an hour with Seth over at Locked On Wild. We had a lot of fun, produced a lot of content, so we decided to split it up into two parts. So today you're you're watching or listening to, I should say, part one of the episode. We talked about the Blues offseason and the Wild offseason, and then tomorrow will be part two where we talked about the Central Division as a whole and gave some predictions there. Had a lot of fun. Make sure you check Seth out. He works so hard over there on that podcast. He made this all possible. Uh, without further ado, hope you guys enjoy and stay tuned for future episodes. Your Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a special crossover episode of Locked on Wild and Locked on Blues, part of the Locked on Sports Podcast Network. Thank you for making each show your first listen each and every day. And just as a reminder, both Locked on Wild and Locked on Blues are available wherever you listen free of charge. Not a penny to listen to each of these elite shows. On today's crossover, we'll recap the offseason for both the Blues and the Wild, and we'll turn our sights towards the season with both teams expected to be fighting for a top spot in the Central Division. My name is Seth Topal, host of Locked on Wild. I'm joined by the host of Locked on Blues, Josh Hyman. Josh, no hard feelings from uh, what you guys did to the Wild in the playoffs last year. We're turning the page, and uh, eventful offseason for both teams. So we'll just start with the Blues since it's been a while since we've had a chance to chat. Um, We've seen a couple of extensions given out. Robert Mm -hmm. Thomas and Jordan Cairo, identical numbers. And honestly, as we'll talk about later, I'm a huge fan of both players. So I'll ask you right off the bat, which contract do you think is going to play out better for the Blues over the duration? Is it the Thomas contract or is it the Cairo contract? extension you can't do that to me you can't make me pick my favorite (laughs) child um okay okay instead of answering that outright i'm gonna give the the diplomatic media trade to answer and say here's why each contract could play out better robert thomas has a a higher floor and a lower ceiling jordan Cairo has a lower floor but a higher ceiling if you had, if you asked me, like, oh, which one do I think is has a higher chance of being a great contract? I would say Robert Thomas. Which one has a, a better chance of being a steal of a contract? Jordan Cairo. Jordan Cairo has had incredible linear possession uh, progression in his game from rookie year to now. Uh, he went from, you know, a point every four games to a point every three games to a point every other game to last season being up over a point per game, all-star fastest skater. He has grown at a rapid pace. And if he continues to grow at that pace, the sky is the limit for him. He could truly be a 100 point player in this league. Robert Thomas, you know what you're getting out of him. He is an extremely gifted player, extremely skilled. He has improved obviously a ton. Um, He's gotten a lot of progression in his game as well, but he's had a little bit more time in the NHL. He's, he's ex- a little bit more experienced. You know, he's a little bit more steady, over the course of an 82-game season, he's not like Jordan Cairo who will break out for 10 games and go quiet for three. 
So both of them have their their opportunities of being the better contract. Uh, but my theory is that they're both going to end up being a great contract. You know, you give you give your young guys long contracts for a lot of money, and eight million dollars in today's NHL isn't that much money for a superstar player. It's not. You see plenty of contracts in the double digits that teams end up enjoying and not regretting in the slightest. So I saw a lot of people like, oh, overpay. Should have given him a bridge deal. But that, that's not a scenario that's going to happen. You got both of these guys locked up until the 2030s, which doesn't even feel like a real year. But <laughs> the future is bright in St. Louis. Yeah, and if you don't um, if you don't lock players up to long-term extensions when you have the opportunity, then you have what happens to the Wild with Kevin Fiala. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll talk about that uh, in a little bit. But obviously – Plenty of other things to discuss. I want to go from kind of the happy news to a couple of the departures. Uh, no more Villejuso and Net as uh, he is now gone. So back to Jordan Bennington as the starter. But another big one is uh, David Perron is uh, not part of the team. At least I think it's Perron. It could be somebody yes. else. Um, it is David Perron. Perron is not part of the team anymore. And uh, that was uh, a little bit of a point of contention. He wanted to come back, but the team just didn't really have the funds to do it. Now we know that it was because they wanted to get this extension done. So which of those departures is going to be felt the most? Is it Ville Husso or is it David Perron? Um, I think this is an unpopular answer, but I think it's going to be Ville Husso. The Blues were fortunate enough to have nine 20-goal scorers on their roster last year, uh, and guys like Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo are going to continue to grow. The offense of the St. Louis Blues was by far their number one asset, and as much as David Perron was important to that and was arguably their best player in the playoffs, he is a guy that I don't want to use the word replaceable because no one replaced David Perron, but his, his goal scoring and his offense is much more replaceable than the safety net that Jordan Binnington had. Jordan Bennington has yet to complete a full regular season workload in the NHL without having to be a backup for a chunk of that. You know, he had Billy Huso come in and, and perform spectacularly and play like a starter and earn himself a nice contract um, with another team in the offseason. And now Jordan Bennington is going to be asked to start the most games he has ever started at the NHL level. And if he doesn't do that, you got Thomas Grice behind you. Thomas Grice is a capable goaltender is he going to come in and do what Billy Huso did and become the starter and kind of almost carry you to the playoffs probably not so if if Jordan Bennington struggles then the Billy Huso departure will be felt immensely in terms of locker room aspect I think David Perron was loved in that room you know he left the Blues two separate times and came back um, one time in free agency or, or trade, and then another time in the expansion drafts, and he re-signed with the team both times. He loved the city of St. Louis. I have to imagine that, unfortunately, some of the players in the locker room weren't the biggest fans of the way that he was treated on the way out. Um, you know, they're, they're, they, they have friends on the team. They understand it's a business, but I would like to think that that might cause a little bit of tension in the locker room. But at the same time, like I said, from a pure hockey standpoint, the Blues had extremely potent offense. They're going to be okay. I, I don't think there's going to be a point where we look like, man, if only we had David Perron, we'd be in a playoff spot. But I do think there's a legitimate chance that Bennington struggles a little bit. We lean on Thomas Grice. Thomas Grice plays like he's expected to, which is good but not great. And we're like, man, 
wish we could have had Billy Huso for another season. Yeah, it, it'll be very interesting uh, because, you know, you're dealing with the goaltender that uh, that sparked the team to the uh, the Stanley Cup uh, a couple of seasons ago. But as you said, hasn't uh, hasn't had that full season workload yet. So it'll it'll be interesting. I can I can definitely relate with the uh, the goaltending question marks um, as the Wilds uh, have a few themselves. But we have plenty more to discuss so we'll, uh, we'll sneak in a quick pause as we continue to break down both of the Wild and Blues offseason on today's special crossover episode of Locked on Wilds and Locked on Blues. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.net. They are your number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. You can find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's Full slate of games. BetOnline.net is also your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, e-scores, and e-sports and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including the final leg of the Major League Baseball season, plus MMA, boxing, golf, of course the NHL, and the NBA also. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. You can find all that and more at BetOnline, where the game starts. Continuing our crossover episode of Locked on Wild and Locked on Blues, make sure that you hit subscribe on YouTube and follow each of these shows so you don't miss out on any of the news as the offseason draws to a close. Both shows, again, free and available wherever you listen to your podcast. All right, Josh, I got a couple more questions for you. And then to finish this uh, first of two, this will be a two-parter uh, because, sure. you know, we just we could not get enough of that playoff series between these two I teams. I talk to you for only 20 minutes, Seth. <laughs> I'd be, I, you just leave me wanting more. Uh, uh, yeah, so we're going <laughs> to we're gonna do a two-parter here. But uh, just wanted to dive into a few more Blues topics um, as we uh, gear up for the start of the season. And I wanted to ask you about the Central Division. In my mind, it just it doesn't feel like any of the teams in the division had what you would call that like that move that would separate them from the rest of the division. The Avalanche saved as many players as they could given the cap situation that they were going to be dealing with with all those guys losing Nazem Kadri and a couple of others. Uh, it seems like you know the Wilds, a couple of uh, players that were traded away, a couple of additions. Didn't seem like anybody had kind of that signature move of the offseason to really pull themselves into the lead or at least fighting with the Avalanche for the top of the division. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, looking around the Central Division, I think a lot of teams kind of just stayed put. Um, you know, Obviously, St. Louis lost David Perron, uh, but... The flip side of that is they have, you know, young guys that I think are going to progress and fill that hole. You know, Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, who we briefly touched on getting those extensions. I think the expectation is that they continue to grow, continue to progress. Um, I mean, the Blues have probably 15 forwards that I could see, maybe more in the top 12 um, and eight, maybe nine defensemen that are going to be competing for those spots as well. So, I don't think the Blues really needed to do anything. I don't think there was anything available. Available, Obviously, the Matthew Kachuk thing, everyone was talking about that. I was talking about that. I dedicated like 15 episodes to that. <laughs> but 
I don't know. I think Colorado is just so far above um, everyone else in the Central that even if the Blues were to go out and get Matthew Kachuk, is it really going to be something that was feasible in the sense that whatever you had to give up? I mean, look what Florida gave up. They gave up their best player and their second or third best defenseman. Like, could a team like the Blues have done that and realistically gotten better? I'm not so sure. So I think... I think what we talked about, Wild, Blues, and Colorado, those are my top three in the Central. Um, and I don't know. I think we saw enough out of St. Louis and honestly enough out of Minnesota where if the chips fall in the right direction, either one of those teams could you know, take Colorado to, to seven games. I think the Blues could have taken Colorado to seven games if Jordan Bennington stays healthy. I think Minnesota could have put, gave them a run for their money if the Blues didn't uh, eliminate them in round one. So I don't obviously it's, it's fun to, to root for big moves, but I just didn't, it just, it just wasn't realistic last season. And the blues have like only 13 guys under contract right up close to the cap heading into next off season. So the team is going to be, if there's a time for big moves, it'll be next year. But right now I'm happy with the way that the blues off season went. It was quiet, but I'm still psyched for this next season. I, I asked you uh, when the playoffs we're getting going about Vladimir Tarasenko. And I want to mention it again because, you know, at least from my outside perspective, it feels like maybe he's in a similar situation to, uh, to where Kevin Fiala was. Um, you now have both the extensions for Thomas and uh, Jordan Cairo that are on the books. What do you see the future as for Tarasenko? Can the blues afford to, uh, to get him in on a long-term deal? Does he want to stay What's the deal? That's the question, isn't it, Seth? That's the question that I've been talking about since the trade rumors uh, started over a year ago, year and a half ago at this point, beginning of the previous offseason. It was, he, he wants out, he wants to be traded, versus no, he's content, he's happy. And then that casual little, I think it was Pierre Lebrun just tweeted in the midst of his offseason news dump, oh, by the way, Tarasenko still wants out. So, like, nobody really knows what his deal is fully. I would, if I were to go to betonline.net or .com, whatever it is these days, and I was putting money on it, I think he's in a different uniform next season. Oh, Regardless okay. of whether he wants to come back, I think I think in my heart of hearts that he wants a change of scenery. Um, but I also don't even know if the Blues can afford him. Like I said, I think they have $67 million committed up against the cap next offseason. And they only got 13 guys making up that money. So not only do you need to figure out how to get O'Reilly back with that limited amount of money, you also need to get like nine other dudes on your roster. So if Tarasenko is wants out, why you know the argument is, oh, why didn't they trade him? It's like, well, you you got a good you got a good window this this coming season. You know they can be a really good team, and then you got Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo locked up for forever. Brian O'Reilly might not even be back. I don't know. You know that's the thing. Doug Armstrong is a cutthroat GM. He doesn't he doesn't give out loyalty contracts all that much, and it pains me to say it, but I don't know. I mean, I think the trade deadline is going to be interesting. I think maybe they can trade some guys, get rid of like Marco Scandella's contract. I've seen Tory Krug's name be thrown around, but the St. Louis Blues at the beginning of 2023-2024 are going to look so different to what they look like right now. I don't know who's going to be back. Even guys that are on roster on contract now, 
I don't even think they're safe. And that's not me advocating for blowing up the team. I love the team right now, but just looking at it from a pure financial perspective, they, they literally will not be able to afford a full team next season if they don't make some trades or let some guys go to free agency. So it's going to be rocky. I could see Tarasenko come back if he has another great year and the trade rumors were overblown and stuff like that and the team really wants him back. But that's what everyone said about David Perron. So my truthful answer is I have no clue. <laughs> well, it, there's so much that can change so quickly in hockey. And I feel like the best GMs are the ones that can sense that there needs to be some changes made before it's like, oh my God, we got to do something. Yep. And so yep. if you can, if you can jump, if you can jump off the boat a step early, as opposed to two steps late, you know, those are when moves are made and people are like, I didn't see this coming. So We'll, uh, people are gonna hate. People are gonna hate that take. People are gonna hate. Oh no, they're not. They're not letting O'Reilly walk. Look at our last two captains. I hate to say it. I'm not a fan of these moves. But the last two captains, David Backus, Alex Petrangelo, both both times the fan base was convinced. Oh, they'll be back. They'll 100 be back. And look what happened. I'm not saying I'm a fan of it. I'm not saying I want it to happen. But speaking of someone who has almost 500 Blues podcasts under my belt. You gotta, you gotta start mentally preparing for a time when Doug Armstrong says, "Look, we're moving. Youth is the future." You know, Jordan Kyrie, Robert Thomas, they're the next captain, assistant captain. Maybe not in that order, but it, it's something that we could be looking at, and it's, it's, it's scary and it's exciting in the in the way that, like, you know, you know, you don't want to see it, but like, oh my god, what the heck would the team look like if they let everyone go next off season? So it's. I don't want to think about that now. It it scares me too much. Yeah, no, that's 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 fair. Uh, that stuff can be dealt with at the time. Yeah. Let's oh, let's I'm just sure there'll be plenty of episodes about that. Yeah, let's just worry about that stuff when we have to. Um, I'm sure your listeners have heard plenty about all of this that we just discussed. So let's give yes, an sir. opportunity for them to hear a little bit about what's gone on in Minnesota. We'll Oops. flip it, and I will put myself in the hot seat for some uh, Wild-related questions as we continue today's crossover episode of Locked on Wild and Locked on Blues after this. Final segments of today's episode of Locked on Wilds and Locked on Blues. Once again, thank you for tuning in to our crossover episode today. For your second listen, Locked on NHL podcast. Get the full lowdown of everything going on as we gear up for the start of the regular season. Uh, Locked on NHL is free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, Josh, I'm in the question chair. So yep. uh, any wild related questions you have, hit me with them. Yeah, I, I got right off the bat. So watching the wild last year, watching the playoff series against the blues, the wild kind of struck me as a team that were one piece away. You know, that, that traditional cliche, just, oh, they just need one more, whatever it might've been. You know, uh, another stud forward to play with uh, Dollar Bill Carrill or a stud defenseman or a stud goalie. And then this offseason rolls around and Fiala's gone. And now it kind of feels like they might be two pieces away. You know, do you do you feel like you're in the same boat where you were anticipating them sort of taking that next step, taking just that one more small step forward into contender status and instead they took a step backwards? Because that's that's the kind of feeling that I've got. No, and it's, it's valid because you look at that wild nucleus of last year and they just they hit they caught fire so much and you don't get to a franchise record in points 
franchise record in goals. You don't have a player that breaks every statistical record that the franchise has ever had by accident. Like it was a really good team, but it was one that was constructed to have that narrow window to compete before these uh, dead cap hits from Zach Parise and Ryan Suter really reared their ugly heads. Uh, this is it's like one end of one side of a hill, then a little bit of a lull, and once the buyouts are done then uh, this team should be well-equipped with a bunch of young players that have had seasoning at the NHL level uh, to be able to throw money at whatever problems they have to be a legit contender like they were this past season. It just it was a decision that Bill Guerin was very adamant about trying to clean up the, uh, the locker room chemistry. Um, they're are no shortage of stories of things that happened under the watchful eye of Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi. And so that shows you how important it was to make those moves to get a more tight knit unit so that if you have that same nucleus, but you lose pieces from it, that everybody can band together and uh, try to, you know, still compete at that same level. I, I'm worried about a few different things for this year. Goaltending first and foremost. Um, yeah, I also lost Talbot. Yeah, he, about that. Cam Talbot no longer there. So you've got Mark Andre Fleury, who is uh, getting up there in age. You've also got uh, Philip Gustafson, who does not have a whole lot of starts under his belt. He could be good. We just really don't know. So that's a huge variable. Um, I've talked about this, and I'm not as worried about this now as I was. Um, all the guys that had career seasons, Ryan Hartman. Matt Zuccarello, Marcus Foligno, you worry about some regression because especially for a guy like Ryan Hartman, he had scored over 15 goals, I think once in his career. And then he has 34. Is that sustainable? Is it not? I'm, I'm not as worried about him. Um, a couple of those other guys, you know, Marcus Foligno with the career high in goals. Is that sustainable? It all comes down to opportunities for these guys, I think. And if they get those same level Ryan Hartman being on a line with Kirill Kaprizov, you just are afforded a certain amount of opportunities, and he has shown that he's really good at cashing in on them. So the other part of it is needing a few players to step up and fill that void left by Kevin Fiala. If the Wild do that, if they get, um, if they get some good production from Matt Boldy over a full season, did really well with the 40-ish games that he played, if he plays a full season and does well, um, and Marco Rossi in his rookie season plays similarly to how Boldy did, you know they're going to be able to replicate that production on a similar pace, probably not at the same pace that they had last year. But you get to, even if all of this happens, and the Wilds get to a postseason series, you wonder what it's going to look like having Kirill Kaprizov and not having that second option. Granted, Kevin Fiala was very quiet in the postseason against the Blues, also very quiet against the Vegas Golden Knights. So it remains to be seen. I was very encouraged by Kirill kind of stepping up and taking control of that series despite the Wild not winning it. 
but God, he was so scary. In yeah, series. he was just a maniac. It really, it really felt like for a minute there that he was just going to have like a all time historic series and just will the wild to a win. But that's it really the, felt like that. And that's the other part of it too, is like it took that and the wild still were not able to win the series. And so that leads me kind of to my point that I think the true window of contention for this team is going to be once these buyouts are done, we're going to get a ton of time over the next three years for all these young kids that the wild have drafted that have, they have high hopes for to play, to get experience at the NHL level. If they pan out, then Bill Guerin's going to have a ton of guys on entry level contracts and he's going to be able to throw money at whatever he needs. I'm not saying this would happen, but a guy who is a free agent when the uh, buyouts are history, well, it's it ends up being like one and a half million combined. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl is a free agent that offseason. So you mean to tell me that if Bill Guerin had the money to do it, and again, I would imagine Dreisaitl would probably want to re-sign in Edmonton, but let's say he doesn't. He's going to have the money to do whatever he needs to do to get this team to the top. And I, I guarantee you that they are going to be a problem. Well, what about, <clears throat> do you think that the solution is to have guys like that? Because I think the statistic is like, I someone tweeted out a graphic of like, 14 of the top 20 contracts in the NHL didn't make it to round two. So do you, would you, do you almost get worried that, you know, the, the second that the wild have money, they're going to throw it all at one guy and you're going to see a repeat of the Suter Parisi contracts. Cause that's the one thing that I love that Doug Armstrong shies away from is he doesn't give out those huge, like we're all freaking out about an $8 million contract. You, have you looked at the other contracts in the NHL that are comparable to Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo? That's nothing yeah. these days, you know? Well, and thankfully, we will never have to worry about a 13-year contract ever again. <laughs> Thanks a lot, yeah, Chuck Fletcher. Um, but fair no, it, it is. And Bill Guerin, I think, has, has been very deliberate in not wanting to tie himself, himself at this point to longer contracts. Like the Wild have over the last couple of years really not done anything more than you know a one- or two-year deal for a free agent with Cam Talbot being the exception. Because I think he wants to leave himself flexibility because the other part of this is that at some point between now and the end of the buyouts, you're going to have to give Matt Boldy another contract and Kirill Kaprizov is going to be near the end of his. So some of that money will be used to retain those guys, but Bill Guerin is going to have some flexibility if he needs it uh, in order to maybe throw a two-year deal to a guy like Leon Dreisaitl or whatever you need to do. I think there are ways that he can do it without having to potentially get bitten by a long-term contract that doesn't pan out. Right. I mean, it's not even like that doesn't pan out. You know, I don't think anyone's out there regretting the Austin Matthews contract. I think it just puts you in such a difficult position where, Mm. you know, the Maple Leafs are paying – three of their forwards like half the cap it's just it's just hard to win like that in a flat cap league and as much as it's disappointing not having those superstars on your team i mean look at what the avalanche have done with their steals of contracts nathan mckinnon making like what does he make he makes like less than like seven million dollars something ridiculous it's like hideous seven seven point five it's just not fair it's not fair no but we could see a big cap jump in the next what is it not not maybe not next year but the year after i'm not sure yeah i, I believe it is Next, 
Okay. Um, yeah, so who knows? We could see some crazy contracts being handed out once that cap goes up. Certainly hope so. Um, but yeah, all in all, it's a wild team that, you know, they're, they're going to give it everything they've got, but it is going to be tougher uh, for them, I think, to really go deep unless a whole bunch of stuff works in their favor. And I, I'll say it again, and it's, it's, I can say it as much as I want because the point is so important. It's like there is so much of this season that hinges on goaltending. If Flurry, hey. if the age thing for Flurry really <laughs> starts to show, there, Jesper Wallstead is probably not. And again, I who knows? If Jesper Wallstead is like the heir apparent and just absolutely blows the doors off of the AHL competition this year, maybe he gets a look, but if things go absolutely south with the goaltending, they're just there's not a lot that is immediately ready if Philip Gustafson doesn't look good. But then again, flip side, they both could look great. And then here we go. I, I truly have no idea what to expect from that situation. Yeah, there you oh. go. I mean, yeah, same boat here. Uh, it's I think it's less drastic for the Blues, like, they still got the offensive firepower. Like the beginning of the year last year when Bankston was struggling, they were winning games like 6-5, 7-4, stuff like that. But I don't know how sustainable that is. Are you going to have 920 goal scorers on your roster again? Is Ivan Barbashev going to score 25-plus goals like he did last year? Hopefully. But if he doesn't, you got to be ready for that. You know, you got you can't just bank on having a historically powerful offense for the entirety of the season again. So, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be nuts, and uh, for part two of our crossover, we will uh, we'll dive in a little further. We'll do such things as three things that will help each team to, uh, to make a deep run, three things we're concerned about, and we'll look at the rest of the division at large. So tune in for part two of our crossover now that uh, you have finished listening to part one of this Locked on Wild, Locked on Blues crossover, uh, keeping you up to date with new episodes every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked On Sports Podcast Network. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.